Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friends. Real quick before we get into this week's episode, I have two things to tell you. First, our audio is struggling a bit, and I just want to thank you in advance for putting up with it. We are working on getting some new equipment and better setups to help minimize this in the future. But for this episode and the sequel to this that will be released next week, we felt like the information is too valuable to not publish this conversation. So thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting us. We are making adjustments and learning so that we can make this the best quality possible. The second thing I wanted to mention is, as you can tell from the title of this week's episode, we do talk about a couple of things that you might want to pop your earbuds in if you have littles around. We don't go into any details or talk about anything explicit. Just wanted to give you the heads up um, so that you can use your discretion in listening if you do have other people around you. Without further ado, here is part one in our conversation about dress standards, purity culture, and sex. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the RFWP. I am Lois. And I'm Emily. And we are here for it tonight. We have got a good subject. I don't know if it's a good subject, but I think it's a good subject. We have a lot of material on it. This is true. This is true. And a lot of experience. Yes, unfortunately. But before we get into that, um, I want to know what your week has been like. Uh, Well, my husband's grandpa, he and I keep in contact. And he'll send me messages on Facebook Messenger. And yesterday he sent me one and said, hey, it's been a while. Just checking to make sure everything's under control. And I replied to him and I said, everything is most certainly not under control and <laughs> listed out everything we've been up to this week. <laughs> yeah, you guys have had a pretty, pretty crazy week. You know what? I feel like I say that more often than not, Probably. but I feel like <laughs> if I were 29 years old with four girls, five and under, um, I would think that it would always be a crazy week. I didn't used to think that life was crazy. It's like, because mm-hmm. when, when people say comments like, you know, your hands are full, all the things they say, oh yeah, thanks. Right. You know, whatever. And then I see friends post on Facebook that they're pregnant with their third or fourth. I'm like, wow, props. Oh wait, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> But I like talking to your girls on the phone. They're so sweet. Yes. Yes. Super sweet. You you good on your end? Your week good? Um, yeah. It's been uh an interesting week, but it's been a good week. Yeah. I was on worship team this past Sunday, which I love the opportunity to serve at my church in that way because being a musician, you know, you love to be able to do that. Um, the only downside to that is 
we don't practice during the week. We practice on our own and you have to come prepared on Sunday morning, which I think is good. Doesn't take up, you know, more family time and that kind of does. But that means we have to be there at 6 a.m. And I think you know me well enough by now that I am not a morning person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, that's good. We're good. Awesome. Oh, in our area, though, we had this historic hailstorm, not at our house, but like 15 minutes south of me. Um, it, uh, a lot of my friends have holes in their roof. Their cars have been demolished. I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of cars. Emily, some of these uh, pieces of hail were the size of softballs. What? Like literally it's, uh, and how do you say that? It's an, I can't even say it. Historic. It's historic. (laughs) It's easy for you to say. Yeah. But so, yeah, that, so that wasn't good, but we didn't get any up here where I live and we're just 10 minutes, 15 minutes north Whoa. of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that was not so good. Mm-mm. Came to the beach and got golf ball, tennis ball and softball size ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> I have some other bad news. But IFB, I don't like bad news. I know. IFB sermons is quoting Twitter. Okay, so yes, you know, I saw that, but then he said hiatus. And so I'm thinking, I'm really hoping that the hiatus is is actually that. Because I will miss him. I will be less dramatic about it. A hiatus. He's allowed a hiatus. Yeah, I just don't know if he's going to come. Well, we say he. I don't know if it's a he or a she. But I hope that whomever it is does decide to come back. But I love the way that he kind of went about it like he had started out and now all these other voices have opened up and he was gracious enough to call us out, you know, in a, in a positive way and to name us and the whole RFP network family of podcasts that by the way, you guys can find at RFP network, RFP network.org. Yeah, definitely. But I, but here, here's the thing. If you're like us and you really like IFB sermon clips, Go over to YouTube because he's going to be really active on YouTube and I've already seen some stuff over there and subscribe to his or her, the person's page, their YouTube channel, because you're still going to get great content. Mm-hmm. So And it's all organized yeah, and awesome. Yeah. Because some of our listeners may not have Twitter and, you know, YouTube is going to be easier for them anyway. Great. Go check yeah, it out. That's good. Definitely check he or she out because <laughs> IFB sermon clips never disappoints. I'm hoping that one day, one day that, that we'll get to meet whoever this is. 100%. Because 
I want to shake their hand <laughs> <laughs> for so many reasons. Okay. So <laughs> are you ready to hear some crazy stuff to start our podcast? Do you want to skip the what's your happy? Oh no, we can't skip the what's your happy. <laughs> Emily, what's your happy this week? Maverick City and Elevation's song, Gyra. Oh my, yes. It's incredible. Just, you are loved. God will never be closer to you than he is right now. And then they go into talking about how the lilies are clothed and God cares oh, for yeah. you. Oh, on repeat. It's an amazing, yeah, on repeat. It's an amazing song. And Jaira, of course, Jehovah Jaira is one of the names of God and just that he is enough and the provider. So what's your funny this week or your happy, your micro joy? My micro joy. <sighs> I think my micro joy is just being able to be on worship this week, but my funny may not be funny to some, but I thought it was pretty funny. I asked a question on Twitter today. Um, and I basically ask about clothing standards. You know, did you grow up with clothing standards, this kind of stuff? And, and somebody tweeted me and said one church that they were at, um, her daughter was thrown out of the choir because on a family sledding outing, she didn't have a pair of culottes over her snow pants. Oh. Like, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't have a pair of culottes on over her snow pants. Okay, so for those of you who have never been sledding, um, it would be ridiculous to wear culottes over your snow pants. I mean... <laughs> What? I don't even know. Snow pants are puffy and baggy enough that. <laughs> and I don't know. For some of you, that may be a major trigger. I'm sorry. But to me, it's just, I guess it's funny to me because I could, I can relate. And so I'm so far removed from that, though, but I can relate. Because when we lived in Chicago, we love to go tobogganing. Oh my goodness. And let seven or eight of us on a big toboggan. Um, and we would go down, but I, I don't recall wearing culottes over my snow pants. Did you tuck your long denim skirt into your snow pants? No. <laughs> I've seen that done. I could totally relate to that. I don't think I ever tucked my jean skirt into snow pants though but somebody did <laughs> i thought this was so naively cute but somebody did respond to me today and said i had been attending one church for months before i was told i'd been causing a scandal with my jeans i had <laughs> i had no clue she said I just thought that everybody else really liked long blue jean skirts. 
Go to the horror. Pants to church. Yes. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I just responded, just thought everybody really liked long, long blue <sighs> jean skirts. Anyway, so um, like I said, that might be a trigger for some, but it's just, that's just funny to me because it's ridiculous. So I just basically said, help me out. Did your church or your pastor have dress standards for women and men in church, outside of church? What were they? And I got some very interesting responses. Okay, you ready for this? All right. No pants on women. No dresses, skirts above the knee. Longer if singing is special. Pantyhose on women. Suit and tie on men for choir or specials. No low-cut socks. Okay. <laughs> I remember, I remember um, for a while there, back in like major preppy times, like guys not wearing any socks at all was, you know, in fashion and guys at, at my school, college, whatever, would get in trouble for not wearing socks. And one of the guys actually mentioned that, that he got in trouble for not wearing socks. Um, no sleeveless shirts on women, uh, could not wear hats in her college unless the guys could wear them. Ties were a must if you were in the pulpit. Because the priests always wore special garments in the temple. <laughs> okay. That? That's exactly what the, God was saying there. <laughs> yes. Okay. Here's another one. The women of the church enforced our dress code. Shorts and skirts could not be shorter than two inches above the knee. No cleavage, spaghetti straps, tanks. That's what I remember at least. And I was like, I responded to this person. I'm like, wait, what liberal church did you go to that your skirts were allowed to be two inches above your knee? No kidding. <laughs> and there's more. <laughs> you know, I could we could act like the, the 26 Letters podcast and say, um, this week is part two of the letter S <laughs> of standards. <laughs> But also sex. Yes. Right? It's so true. <laughs> Maybe they won't mind if we kind of threw that in there. Okay. So I wanted to know if people grew up with specific standards of clothing. Now, last week we talked about standards, but a different direction and kind of how it impacted things negatively. And this week, though, we want to talk specifically about clothing standards and then also purity culture. Um, and before you go ripping on us saying something about purity culture, we are not saying that you shouldn't walk in purity. So don't misquote us. That is not what we're talking about. But yeah, so we're going to talk about what? Standards and sex this week? That's right. Because they're actually really interconnected. They are. Uh, when we talk about lust and how women are supposed to dress, um, quote unquote, modestly. Right. Which, can I just say at the outset that I I think that it's not that I don't think that we... Um, shouldn't dress modestly, but we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us 
and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So don't, mm-hmm. don't take it out of context and send us hate mail. If you have any hate mail, you can send it to JC and Brian and Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yep. So as another preface, just as we get into this conversation, I don't want to spend all our time here, but it's worthy to mention Mm-hmm. God actually doesn't define nakedness in the Bible like we're taught he does. Uh, Isaiah chapter 47 is commonly cited as, well, if you show your thigh, that's your nakedness. But in context, that's not what God is saying there. Mm-hmm. So this is why on all matters that the Bible is vague on or not specific, he's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us in these things. We Mm -hmm. don't need to go digging through scripture going, well, what did God say? What did God say? He is speaking and he is alive and active now. So run with that truth to comfort your heart and guide you rather than looking for some hidden message where God is trying to say something in his word that's not actually there. Right. I just heard, I just listened to an episode, just a, um, uh, just a single episode of the church split. And one of the, 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 the preface was if, you know, like, well, the Bible doesn't specifically say that that's a sin, but you really still shouldn't do it if you want to be the right kind of Christian. I think that's a little bit about what we're talking about. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. There's still some things you should follow, but there's not a box. There's not a, a formula to follow. And mm-hmm. that can be really frustrating as we come out of legalism and start walking in that freedom. It's scary. Like, where are the rules? Could I, could somebody please just mm-hmm. tell me? The box feels safe. The rules feel predictable. And the Holy Spirit, like, who is this that I'm trying to get to know and let's speak into my life? And now I don't have all these man-made standards and what do I actually believe and how should I walk? It's, it is a lot. Sure. And I can see how it, it is a little scary. And, you know, um, one of the episodes on the, um, recovering fundamentalist podcast back last year was talking about the tale of two ditches. So I can see how, you know, somebody coming out of a very legalistic and not just IFB. I mean, I had somebody send me like (laughs) six or seven tweets in a thread about their very strict um, Pentecostal background, which is very much like you know, IFB, Church of Christ, Church of God, some of the, some of the other, um, but it just, you can jump into the other end of the pool, but that's not for you and I or anybody else to say you're in the wrong end of the pool. It, it, mm. Yes, sin is sin, and we do need to guard our lives against that, but as we've said and we've probably said it on every episode. We have the privilege of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. 
and communing with God, the Holy Spirit, being in the word, we, we have that direct access. So like I saw a a tweet, um, a pastor basically said that if, so you make sure I get this right. I'm going to look up my notes real quick. Every decision is a spiritual decision, not seeking your pastor's advice before, and before is in all caps, making a decision is asking for disaster. I'm Mm. sorry. Mm -hmm. I I think there is good godly advice, but um, we're supposed to go to the Lord first. I think there's a little bit of usurping authority there. And then just... A few days later, this same pastor tweeted, you must take control of the voices in your life if you want the Holy Spirit to be control of your spirit. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Which one is correct? Mm -hmm. I listen to the Holy Spirit or I make sure I ask my pastor before I make any decision because otherwise I'm headed for disaster. And I think that's what can Mm -hmm. happen. You know, like you said, where's my list of rules? This is scary. You know, am I going to make the wrong decision? And I think that's part of the quote unquote programming that takes place when you're in a very legalistic situation. I completely agree. I've noticed in my own life that healing my ability to make decisions for myself, that I spend a lot, I spend too much time focused on what is right what is the right choice? And I don't think I have too many natural tendencies towards perfectionism. It was just the culture. Like, mm-hmm. If you make the wrong decision, it's the end. Right. Your whole family falls apart. Yeah. Or if you wear the wrong clothing and you make a man stumble. Did Mm-mm. you listen to the... Did you listen to the little eight minute video that I sent you today. I started it, yeah. but it made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> and actually I was creeped out. Yeah. It was, <laughs> not creeped. it was like life's little lessons, little lesson today. And he's talking about women's clothing and how they should dress. And it, it really was creepy. Okay. It was gross. We'll move okay. on. So the second thing that gets taught in this conversation is that men and women are not to wear what belongs to the other. Mm -hmm. That which pertaineth to a man or that which pertaineth to a woman. Uh, End quote. End quote. Cuts versus pants. Right. Wait, they didn't have culottes in the Old Testament they or the didn't. New Testament. Okay. And the the Bible actually doesn't define what is man's clothing or women's clothing. So we won't spend a whole lot of time on that, mm-hmm. but we don't have to wear skirts, wear pants, worry about how we're dressing or what we're putting on our legs. Yeah. In that 
I read one um, article, though, that historically and culturally at that time, they were really talking about the undergarments because it was all robes. And basically one author said it would be like the equivalent of a boxer's for a guy that he needed to make sure he had some on wrapped around him underneath his robe. (laughs) You know, so that was the, the, the difference in that. And then there were other authors that talked about, um, you know, that maybe people were taking it too far in the new Testament and, you know, the whole, um, women shouldn't adorn themselves in braided hair, gold jewelry, and all that kind of jazz, um, talked about the fact that that was more of a, um, possibly some of the pagan priestesses doing that. And so then he didn't want, they didn't want the women of the church to be focusing on that or to say, Mm -hmm. I've got more money and blah, blah, blah. Kind of like somebody walking in with, you know, like a new, a new brand, today and somebody not having a brand you know they they're wearing the knockoff or or whatever yep but so when we even see that word modest in the bible it's Mm -hmm. not how much skin is showing yeah it's um being discreet and being humble and gracious around the people that you're around yeah oh wait i thought it meant long and flowing and down to the ankle Um, a friend of mine said this in a conversation almost a year ago, I think, and it was just a comment, but it was so profound and it's whatever your standard is, cannot be a mandate from God or the Bible. If it doesn't transcend all eras and all cultures. Whoa. Yeah. So when we say this is how it is and it, and when it's taught that way, we assume in our minds, Oh, it must have always been this way. Mm -hmm. When, like you said, with some cultural context and some historical context, it's not about dresses. It's not about pants and it's not about we've, we have to be careful not to assume, well, this is how we've always known that men are or women are right. when it's not the case. Right. In fact, that video that I sent you today, one of the things that um, the author of the video was saying was that, um, you know, when you're, when you're getting dressed, basically, like, you just got to know. Like, I mean, God created men to like the form of a woman and, you know, and of course God created us to be attracted to each other because he wanted us to be attracted to each other and procreate (laughs) and all the wonderful things. But like last week, we talked about these standards were put in place because somebody had a good idea. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think this could keep us safer, but there are unintended consequences for these man-made extra fences mm-hmm. that we put up. Um, 
we got a ton of responses between Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Just from people saying, oh, yeah, I relate to that. This was my story. So I'm just going to mention a couple of them. Girls could not participate in a lot of different events, including learning even how to swim. Because if it can't be done in a skirt, you don't need to be doing it. Mm. And one gal even said she had bad posture from trying to hide her form, the shape of her body. She was so ashamed of it. Mm. So she had physical pain from this message, this ideology. Mm-mm-mm. And another gal said the incessant rules and lectures were enough to grind away at anyone's better judgment, especially as a woman, which is what you were just saying. We, we lose our ability to f- follow the Holy Spirit. Sure. I think this goes for guys as well, because when this type of conversation, this type of culture is, is continually perpetuated about um, all of the standards pretty much clothing-wise being on women because it causes a man to lust and don't stand up straight with your shoulders back because your form could show, you know, Mm. um, guys inevitably begin to wrap their heads around that process as well if they're continually exposed to it And then they begin to look at women in a completely different way, whether they realize it or not subconsciously, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're continuing to hear this stuff. Yeah. It's actual junk. Yeah, it is. And you had some really good responses. (sighs) Yeah. So, um, you know, and I will just... I'm just going to say I had responses from men and women alike, you know, and there were some guys that responded that were just like, this is ridiculous, you know, like putting that on women. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, Okay. So this is how it affected um, this wife and mom. The emphasis on how women were to dress led me to be ashamed of the body that I had. I was a tomboy, but I had to dress girly. I lived in culottes. After puberty, which obviously she's developing, I hated my body. I didn't choose to be more well-developed. It became something that I hid. One of the biggest fears as a teen was the fact that my husband would one day see me naked, which is, bless her heart. I mean, that's God's intention, but... It just makes me sad. Okay, I'm going to go on and read. I was raised with a positive sexual ethic, but not a good body ethic. Clothes were the answer for keeping men from lusting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's your responsibility to keep this man from lusting. Like last week, I went off on a preacher that was making those kind of comments from the pulpit victim shaming victim shaming. Yeah. She goes on to say skinny women were praised overweight. Women were made fun of, even though I wasn't extremely overweight, I knew my body wasn't the ideal in my world. I read Beth Moore's book, 
so long in security when I was in my thirties mm-hmm. and it changed my life. I was so insecure before that it was debilitating. I don't even know where my clothes came from before college. I was overly modest because I wanted to hide my body. Now I have daughters and I have to enlist help with shopping now that they're getting into their teens because I'm so bad at it. So, you know, she basically was shaming her own body because that's what she thought was what she needed to do. Which is the shame that that's like layered on to women. Sure. It's terrible. Um, somebody else. Here's a, this is a good answer. So many answers to this question rolling around in my head. Dating standards, courting standards, like I kiss dating goodbye book. A boy I liked and started courting, if you can call it that. We only saw each other at church and weren't even allowed to sit together. Always had two friends between us. He was sent to a boy's ranch because his parents thought our relationship was moving too fast and I was not the girl they wanted him to be with. He was sent to a boy's ranch. He's not like he was doing drugs. He wasn't addicted to alcohol. Like That's crazy. Okay. Dress standards, all the focus on the outward, but things being overlooked because my outward appearance was okay, but things overlooked regarding my heart nitpicky things being focused on instead of where the true focus needed to be was very distracting and damaging. She said, Mm -hmm. I tried to fit the mold and this is where it gets really sad to me. And I, she said, I tried to fit the mold so much that I developed um, an eating disorder. I had anorexia and bulimia. My eating was the only thing I felt I had control over. And I was so extremely self-conscious of what others thought that this is how it manifested. I was known as that blonde girl and was even called that by a mom of a boy in my youth group. It was something I couldn't change. It's the color of the hair that God gave me, but some in my circles saw it as vanity. I also got in trouble for wearing one of my sister's shirts because it was immodest, but she wore it all the time without issue. We had different body types, that's all. And it was not in any way form-fitting or immodest on either one of us. The misuse and unscriptural teaching of what vanity truly is, Mm -hmm. is what she says. Here's another one. So many good comments here. I agree. The vast majority of standards taught have a very negative impact on our lives. The thing that stands out to me the most is the view that your standards reflect your spirituality. If someone has a quote unquote lower standard than you, that means they are not as godly. This leads to so much judgment, criticism, and pride. How can you begin to have real relationships with people if you are convinced you are better than they are? Mm. And when you do find someone of similar spiritual status, it becomes a competition for who can be more holy plug a marriage into that equation and you get a whole new can of worms. Wow. Mm. That's true. Because that if is. you're not raised with healthy, with a healthy view of your body that God gave you and sex 
is talked about in such a derogatory way and women women's clothing is what keeps men from lusting and all that when you do get married how are you supposed to feel normal in your relationship physically and have Mm -hmm. physical intimacy as well as spiritual and emotional intimacy when your brain is all messed up from stuff like that i don't know i just here's 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 what one guy said Okay, I'm going to break this up a little bit here. The women definitely got the worst of it. They were required to wear pantyhose, but you had to call them nylons. Typical <laughs> <laughs> dress stuff. My wife got demerits for static electricity once. <laughs> you know, it probably caused her clothes to attach to her body. And you can't see the form because that's simple. Um t-shirts under other shirts but they couldn't stick out or it was you were trying to layer remember when layering was really in Uh your t-shirts couldn't stick out underneath your other shirts because it was layering and that was considered worldly (laughs) what yes and so i was just like i just was like had to call them nylons because you can't say panties Uh pantyhose or or pink panties unless you're larry brown (laughs) Brown. i think i put i think i put tony hudson but i was wrong (laughs) okay here's a guy's one though okay i was in a church that wouldn't allow men to play for a different church's softball team where the other churches wore shorts this is guys now They weren't allowed to wear shorts. It had to be the standard. Because you might start wearing shorts if you hang out with people that wear shorts? Yes, from other churches. Mm, Yeah. That sounds like a slippery slope. (laughs) Don't want to look at those hairy, sexy legs now. (laughs) Calf muscle down. Okay. So so he said, um, when it wasn't the standard, the pastor said no one was allowed to play for that softball team, and the men obeyed the edict. Oh, wow. I just. Woo, woo, like, woo. Th- this, I think, will kind of walk us into our next thing we're going to talk about here. What was allowed. Loose-fitting shirts, skirts, culottes, nylons, or tights. Not allowed. Lace, slits longer than four inches in, open-toed shoes, pants, shorts, or any type of writing or design across the bust line. Mm -hmm. Because you know, you don't want anybody reading the front of your shirt across your right. line because that could cause them to stumble wowie because mm. this is yet another unintended consequence of telling women that they should help their br- fellow brothers in Christ out by covering their form or it's just it a may- responsibility you know, this is, this is part of your responsibility 
to keep mm-hmm. them from lusting? It's so many things. <laughs> and I'll but, just tell you, if a man has lust in his heart, if a woman has lust in her heart, okay, there might be things that trigger, but if a person has lust in their heart, that is a heart issue, not somebody else's responsibility to dress. I even heard, I even heard, oh my goodness, I was listening to an episode Oh, today or yesterday, I heard a pastor even say, now, women, you know, your husband is going to see women dressed like prostitutes all the time, you know, and that's what they do. They dress like prostitutes and, you know, because, because that's what they're doing. That's what they're selling. I mean, you don't want to be looking you know, frumpy or whatever, if, if, you know, cause you, cause you want your man looking, looking at you and not all these women. You basically want him to objectify you and not anybody else. I mean, that's what that says. This conversation stems from is the assumption that every man, just because he is a man struggles with lust and nowhere in the Bible does it imply that all of us need to be um, guarding our hearts and guarding our mind to not do that like women too Mm -hmm. nowhere in the bible does it imply that it's somehow every man is um always thinking about sex and always thinking about a woman's body it's it's not we're not to lust after one another we're not supposed to covet um, and I telling and that there are different, you know, there are different things that, um, that we're attracted to, you know, there are, but to hone in on that to the point where it either gives license or excuse, or it thwarts the responsibility of a female mm. of a wife that is, that's, it's wrong. And I have to be really honest with you, the, the purity culture and stuff, I, I think I've told you before, I was a student pastor's wife and a, a, a leader during that time. And I do believe that there were good intentions because we wanted our kids to, you know, be healthy in that way, but it had unintended consequences. And, you know, I think back about some of the things that I, that I taught or object, object lessons that I used that just had no grace flowing through them whatsoever. I just want to go hug every one of those girls and say, <laughs> and one of and the boys and just say, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. You know. I just have to pray for the Holy Spirit to continue to work in their lives and, and maybe they'll forget some of the stupid things that I said, thinking that I was helping. Uh, so Sheila Ray Gregoire yeah. from To Learn Vacuum and the Bear Marriage Podcast. Right. Her book, um, 
the Great Sex Rescue for that with her epidemiologist, Joanna Swatsky, did incredible research. Didn't they do like over 20,000, like it, it was the largest research of its kind on this topic? 130 questions for per survey. So her point that she's made is that there's a whole lot more difference amongst each gender than there is between the genders. So to say lust is a man's battle or this is how women feel to broad brush our gender, um, how people are feeling, it is almost pointless because then half of each demographic is feeling left out when we're throwing a lot of these statistics and these um, pat answers that we've heard for so long out. Yeah. And we obviously there are distinctions between men and right. women. So when you're talking about broad brushing genders, y'all, we are not having the gender conversation right now. Uh, Emily and I both believe the biblical definition of the genders. So that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way that been put in a box, um, assuming that everybody feels this way on as this gender and everybody feels this way as this gender. Right. Right. So that message that men lust and it's women's job to keep them from lusting makes women ashamed of their bodies. Yes. But then makes women feel weird for having any sexual urges. Like you, it's almost like you're not even supposed to feel that as right. a woman. And <laughs> yeah. so can, can we just add another layer of shame onto women? Like you're not even supposed to be feeling this way is what it's, is the subliminal message or the secondary message that it's sending. Yeah. I think people really need to read this information and read this book. And didn't you just have um, Sheila and her team on your podcast and I did it was it was so cool I'm so thankful I've been following Sheila for years and it was such a blessing and just super cool to be able to sit down with her yeah you guys need to go check that out at Emily at Abundant Grace and listen to that podcast because um it's gonna be good I appreciate that yeah um her stuff is is really important for where we're at in the evangelical church. I love the name of her book. I love the name of her book. It's awesome. The Great Sex Rescue. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about um, the unintended consequences and the message from purity culture that if we do certain things as women, then men won't lust. That if mm. we if we cover our form, then men won't lust. If it's a woman's fault if she's abused. We talked a little bit about this last week. But, you know, when you make that statement, when you say, well, what was she wearing? That, that caused the blah, blah, blah. Then you have girls that are stepping out of the corner and saying, wait a minute, you know, I had on 
a denim skirt to my ankles, a loose t-shirt. It didn't keep me from being abused. It didn't keep me from being objectified. So, um, and I, and again, I don't want to be a part of the broad brushing, but you, you can't just say that, <laughs> that men are going to lust and it's a woman's job to keep them from lusting. No way. No way. It's so damaging because it also damages our ability to see someone's humanity mm. because it frames the other person as an object. And growing up with this message, it actually did the opposite because it over-sexualized everything. You were afraid to be alone with another boy. You didn't talk to other guys as, as a woman. And then mm-hmm. guys with the girls, you can't have platonic relationships with okay. them. And so many implications that just devalues them as a human being, a person. Mm -hmm. We should be able to see them as just a person. I think we say this every episode, don't we? We talk about people were made in the image of God. Right. And we need to be able to see that, their humanness. Mm -hmm. And then if we can see them first as another human being created in God's image, we are, are less likely to objectify them, think, um, how can I protect myself from them and all of this mm-hmm. rhetoric yeah. that um, actually damages. All right, friends, we are going to wrap this episode off here. Just wanted to give this conversation all the space that it needs since it's such a big one. We're going to make this into two episodes. Thank you so much for being here and listening and getting in touch with us. It has been such an encouragement to hear from you and be able to pray with you. And before I go, I want to just give a huge shout out to our patrons on Patreon. Without you guys, this show would not be possible. So thank you so much for believing this message and getting behind it. We will be back next week with part two of our conversation on standards and sex. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.